You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. We are diving into the lectionary text, the Old Testament lectionary text. It's from Genesis chapter 32, beginning with the 22nd verse. Uh, It'll be on the screens. Uh, It's also online, and it's in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. The same night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything he had. Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Growing up in high school, my friend group, uh, at least in freshman and sophomore year, were of a different denomination. Every Wednesday morning, they would go and pray at the flagpole, and I would join them from time to time. Uh, They would wear Jesus t-shirts. They would wear the WWJD bracelets, if you remember that, uh, a big thing in the the early 90s. Uh, They would only listen to Christian, Christian music. Eventually, I stopped meeting them at the flagpole, not because I was not a fan of prayer, uh, not because I, did, I grew up in the church. I was in youth group. I participated in Youth Sunday. My parents taught disciple Bible study. It's because I had Key Club at the same time. Key Club, a service organization with Kiwanis, uh, and uh, uh, so I couldn't make it to the flagpole. And truth be told, I didn't only listen to Christian music. I was listening to both Led Zeppelin and ACDC, so I got a little bit of a stairway to heaven and a little bit of a highway to hell, and it's, it's called growing up. You know, I like to say they were at the flagpole praying for God to offer a wheelchair ramp, but I was at Key Club figuring out how to build it. Well, eventually, and you need both, right? You need both prayer and action, right? Well, eventually we had a bit of a falling out, or I did, uh, with them because I found out that they started praying for me, for my soul, because I was listening to secular music and I was not going to the prayer club meeting and they were just concerned about me. 
So uh, I started reading scripture myself because the Jesus that they were talking about didn't quite sound like the Jesus I knew. So I started reading scripture myself and it was junior year of high school. I started reading the gospel of Mark because it's the shortest and I got to uh, fantastic verse. Uh, Jesus is standing before Caiaphas and Caiaphas says, are you the son of God? And Jesus says, yes, I am. Well, that's pretty clear. That's pretty concise. But I knew enough about scripture that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, they were all very similar with each other. We call them the synoptic gospels because they are in sync with one another. But I thought, I thought their differences was because they told different stories. And they do. But there are even differences in the stories that are similar between them. For example, I then turned to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and read the same verse. Jesus standing before Caiaphas, and Caiaphas says, are you the Son of God? And Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, you say that I am. Well, that's a little different. And thus began my wrestling with Scripture. I started really diving deep and wrestling with verses and reading commentaries and doing and I thought to myself, why has no one ever told me this? Why has no one said that each of these Gospels have just a little bit of a different flavor? And there are some stories told in some ways and other stories told in other ways. Why has no one told me this? And then, uh, one, two, skip a few. Here I am as a pastor in the United Methodist Church. Because I began to discern, why have I not heard this before? Maybe that was God's calling on me to say, well, why don't you tell them? But truth be told, uh, it may not have been that I wasn't, that no one was saying it. It could have absolutely been that I wasn't hearing it. Again, high school me was not nearly as mature and together and attractive as I am now. So we've grown a lot since then. Um, so I, I love wrestling with scripture. I love digging deep and, and diving into it and may, maybe saying something uh, uh, that, that I haven't said before. You know, I asked uh, Sam Wells at, at Duke Divinity School, I said, how do you know you're preaching what you need to preach? And he said, well, if everyone is happy with you, you're not preaching what you're supposed to preach. If everyone's angry with you, you're also not preaching what you are called to preach. He said, have you been transformed by the work you've done? You know, this week, Briley, uh, Briley Smith, our youth director, she committed the staff sin this week. I don't even know if Corey knows about the staff sin yet. The staff sin is when you see me in the hallway and you ask me, so how's the sermon going? And then 45 minutes later of me talking about all of the articles and reading, because this story, this story of Jacob on the mountaintop uh, or just across the, the Jabbok fording the river, there's, it's so deliciously ambiguous. I was telling Briley that, that in the Old Testament there are uh, Yahwist sources and Eloist sources. Sometimes God's name is Yahweh, sometimes God's name is Elohim, and, and, and those traditions have both been preserved in this story. And, you know, Jacob, Jacob is a heel grabber, that's what his name means, the heel grabber, because he, he tried to, in the womb, try to supplant his brother Esau, heel grabber. There's an illusion there, there's a parallel between the serpent in the garden who is striking at the heel of humanity 
humanity. There are all these different parallels and language differences. And, and I love how scripture says he said to him, well, who is he and who is him? It's beautifully, none of this is in the sermon, but this is what I was telling Briley. 40, I love this. After 45 minutes of talking about all these things that I've learned about this text, Briley said, cool. Full stop. <laughs> So now a normal person would have just left it there, but uh, I then emailed her articles that I was reading and different pieces of artwork that have to do with the, I love wrestling with this stuff. Jacob was wrestling. Was he wrestling with a man? Was he wrestling with an angel? As we see in artwork, was he wrestling with God? Could it be that he was wrestling with himself? Well, uh, could it be that he was wrestling with a man? Uh, it could be. That's what the story says. But the story progresses. It starts with a man, but that the end of the story says, I have seen the face of God. It could be that he was wrestling with a man because Jacob, throughout his life, wrestled with seemingly everyone, uh, maybe with the exception of, of his mother. Uh, in the womb, he wrestled with Esau to be born first. He tricked Esau out of his birthright. He then tricked his father for Esau's blessing. Even after being a mature grown-up and leaving high school, he went and uh, with his father-in-law, he wrestled with his father-in-law, Laban, and Laban wrestled with him. They both tried to deceive each other over and over and over again. Uh, maybe you know the story. Uh, Jacob had fallen in love with Rachel because she was beautiful. And uh, on their wedding night, he woke up and behold, he was with Leah, Rachel's older sister. I'm not sure how that happens, but that is the biblical story. So Jacob goes to Laban and says, what have you done? I'm supposed to be marrying Rachel. And Laban said, sorry, you're going to have to work for me for another seven years in order to marry Rachel, the younger sister. And Jacob does, and, but it was a long seven, actually he worked with him for about 20 years. There's this great story about Jacob wanting, uh, he goes to Laban, he goes, give me the livestock, but not, not, not your good livestock. I want the livestock that have blemishes, uh, the sheep that are, are, have a darker color. I, I, want, I want those sheep. And Laban says, great, not a problem. Uh, you, can, you can take those. So what does Laban do? In, under the cover of night, he takes all of the speckled sheep out of the flock leaving Jacob with anything, with, with nothing. But what does Jacob do? What does Jacob do? He does this very strange thing where he puts rods near the feeding trough and all of those who went to the feeding trough, all of those sheep became speckled and they went back and forth. They, Jacob wrestled with people all of his life. At the death of his father, Isaac, Esau, his brother, said, I will console myself after the death of my father, I will console myself by killing you, Jacob. So Jacob finds himself on the night before meeting his brother, wrestling. Wouldn't you? That was the last thing he heard from his brother. I will console myself by killing you. So he wrestles. Wrestles with a man? Yeah, could be, Probably. Wrestling with an angel could be probably at the beginning of this chapter, uh, uh, Jacob finds himself surrounded by angels, which was a sign that that is where he had to set up camp. So we know, according to the story, that angels were there. Of course, there's the famous story of Jacob's ladder, seeing angels going to heaven and to earth, back and forth. 
Could it be, could it be that Jacob was wrestling with God? Could be. Or at least God's message to him. Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and your kindred, I am not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to me. Deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. I am afraid of him. He may come and kill us all. Yet, Lord, you have said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted because of their number. Continuing the promise of Abraham. But all signs point to the contrary. He hears that that Esau is across the river with 400 men, a small army. So Jacob, could it be that Jacob is wrestling with God, the very divine self? So with whom was Jacob wrestling? We don't know. The story is deliciously ambiguous. But the one common thread through all of this is that Jacob was wrestling. Dr. Phyllis Tribble talked about wrestling throughout her career. She grew up in a denomination that did not allow women to be clergy, that did not allow women to have authority or to teach, but she still felt this calling on her heart. She still felt that God was calling her into ministry. So she, she wrestled with scripture. She wrestled with her church. She eventually became a professor at Wake Forest and also Union Seminary and eventually became the president of the Society of Biblical Literature. This text, she has an interesting commentary on. I'll read you her reflection. The verse in particular that says, I will not let you go unless you bless me, is what stuck with her throughout her career. She said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. That declaration became my challenge to the Bible from the perspective of feminism. I will not let go this book unless and until it blesses me. I will struggle with it. I will not turn it over to my enemies who curse, who curse me. Neither will I turn it over to my friends who wish to curse it. No. Over against the cursing from either the Bible thumpers or the Bible bashers, I shall hold fast for a blessing. I am under no illusion that the blessing will come on my terms that I will not be changed in this process. After all, Jacob, the blessed one, also limped away. I love that phrase, I will not let it go until it blesses me. She did not turn her back on her denomination that said she was not worthy to preach the word. She did not turn her back even on her friends who thought she was foolish. I will not let you go until you bless me. So what is it that you might be wrestling with? Could it be the start of school? Could it be health? Could it be 
the world. What is it that you're wrestling with? Is there great wisdom in not letting it go until there is a blessing? Until you can see the good in whatever wrestle that is. If you let it go too soon, you may end up cursing it for the rest of your life. If Jacob had given up and felt like God was not with him, he would have never gone down the mountain to face his brother. Conversely, if you hold on to something you're wrestling with too much, (laughs) you might never go down the mountain either. If he stayed interlocked with his wrestling partner, if it was indeed God who met them there, he might say, you know what? God is up here on the mountain and I know that God is with me here. You know what? I'm not going to go down the mountain. It's dangerous out there. I'll just stay here. If we hold on too long to something that we're wrestling with, there is no growth. So we wrestle until we can see the blessing. We wrestle until we see the good. And then, and then what do we do? We, we, we let go and we go down the mountain and then we face our enemy, whatever that enemy is, whoever that enemy is. What are you wrestling with? What are you struggling with? I love that in the text, uh, Jacob is wrestling and he says, what is your name? And curiously, the response that Jacob hears is, you already know it. You know my name. What are you wrestling with? You already know. (laughs) Name it. Claim it. Don't let it go too soon. Also, don't linger with it. In this story, there was a wrestling and there was a blessing. And there was a limp at the end of it all. Jacob did not go unchanged. Jacob did not escape unscathed. Dr. Tribble mentioned that her limp was not a malady, and neither was Jacob's. Jacob's limp was not a malady. Rather, it caused her to slow down. It caused her to be intentional. It caused her to be thoughtful, to trust and verify. She says her limp that her wrestling with God left her with was patience enough for grace. Patience enough for grace. Was Jacob wrestling with a man? Was Jacob wrestling with an angel? Was Jacob wrestling with God? Was Jacob wrestling with himself? The answer is, of course, yes. (laughs) All of the above. But maybe the point of the story is to recognize that Jacob is not the main character of the story. What a graceful God we have that will meet us face to face. Jacob wrestling with God. God could have squashed Jacob, I'm sure, to say, how dare you not have faith? I told you that I would be with you, and now you're going to pay the price. And God could have squashed Jacob there in Peniel. But God didn't. God could have simply ignored Jacob and not show up, leaving Jacob all alone. God could have said, don't worry about it, Jacob. Tomorrow's going to be fine. 
which sometimes might leave us complacent. But no, God, God wrestled. God showed up. God was with Jacob. God was there all night struggling with Jacob. That divine suffering that walks with us. Have you ever had a sleepless night? I remember my first sleepless night when I was a parent. Uh, Isabel had uh, uh, the croup and she just could not catch her breath. And I sat there in the bathroom with the shower going, not knowing what was supposed, I've never seen this before. And I thought, my God, how many sleepless nights have you had over me? Sometimes when we push back, God doesn't squash, God doesn't ignore, God offers us a holy tension that slows us down long enough to see the blessing of it all, to recognize that God is with us even in the midst of our suffering. You know, Jacob eventually went down the mountain, right? The story, the story continues. When he goes down the mountain, keep in mind what he hears is that Esau wants to kill him. Esau has 400 people at the ready. And then scripture says, when he came down the mountain, Esau ran to meet him. And he embraced him. Can you imagine? 400 people at the ready. The last thing he hears is, I'm going to console myself after the death of my father by killing you. He gets down the mountain after having this experience. His name is changed to Israel, the one who wrestles with God. And he sees Esau running toward him. Can you imagine the, the tension and the getting ready to face his brother, mano a mano? And what does Esau do? Esau, Esau embraces him and kisses him. And offers grace. I know that in this, I know that in this text, there's only a comma there. Esau ran to meet him, comma, and he embraced him. But that comma must have felt like an eternity. Esau running to meet him. And it ends with an embrace. It ends with grace. It ends with forgiveness. You know, Jacob, he said, if I find favor with you, then accept my present from my hand. For truly to see your face is like seeing the face of God. That's what he tells his brother. Seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. If we can see the face of God in the face that is looking back at us, whether that is a friend, whether that is an enemy, whether it is our own reflection in the mirror during our wrestling, if we can see the face of God in the face of the other, then just maybe all of our wrestling will be worth it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we give you thanks that you wrestle with us, that you don't give up on us, that you offer us a holy tension that slows us down long enough to recognize 
blessings. Father, give us wisdom to let go when we need to. Give us strength to stay in the wrestling match long enough to see the blessing. Give us the courage to eventually go down the mountain and see the face of God in our neighbor. In all of these things, Father, we give you thanks that you're not done with us yet. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.